Welcome to Core Struction, the podcast of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. We're at the very beginning of the holiday rec season here at Tulsa District, uh, here at Skytook Lake, and I'm here with Cassie Free. Cassie is the advocate for water safety behind Andy's Law, and um, she's here talking to us about the dangers of carbon monoxide in motorized vessels. Thank you for joining us for Core Struction, Cassie. Thank you for having me. Okay, um, Cassie, can you talk about where this where this begins and talk about how Andy's law what 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 went on to? So, Andy passed away June six, twenty twenty. Um, so we are actually fast approaching three years and. Um, when he passed away, we were surprised to learn that he had high levels of carbon monoxide in his blood. Um, carbon monoxide is something that I had associated with um, cars running in garages, appliances that were faulty, um, leaks and such inside your home, which these are all closed spaces. Um, we had spent the day at Lake Eufaula, and in fact, Andy passed away at Lake Eufaula. So we were out in the open air all day. We were on a, a wakeboard ski boat. Um, it's not the place that most people think of when they think of carbon monoxide poisoning. So um, when we when we did get our answer that um, his his passing was as a result of the carbon monoxide poisoning. I started searching to find out how this happens in an open air environment. And through that came to push for something to be in place to notify other people so that they're not caught like we were. And the way this happens is that when you're on a, a motorized vessel, especially if you're going through areas where there's not a lot of wind or you're not um, you're where there's not a lot of like movement of airflow or sure. where you're going through the same area. Um, I guess carbon monoxide is actually slightly lighter than air. So it tends to settle. It, it can hang out in the air. Um, it can hang out in the air for several hours. It accumulates. Um, so it's, it's not just something that's there and gone. Um, it, it moves with air and in the human body, it binds to the blood cells, which are, are supposed to be carrying the oxygen. And so when the car carbon monoxide bonds to it, it prevents, um, oxygen from being carried. Uh, it's colorless, odorless, tasteless. The human body can't, can't detect it. Um, without. except for the symptoms. That correct. Occur. Correct. And it's good to know the symptoms that you could have um, a headache, you could have um, dizziness, nausea, um, lightheadedness, but these are all um, similar to heat illnesses too. And, and so a lot of people will dismiss them as being heat related um, illnesses. And in fact, it could be caused by carbon monoxide. Um, depending on the amount of carbon monoxide, even in an open air environment, it, it can cause death within minutes or even seconds. And 
since um, you, I know you've done some, some work with us over the last couple of years, um, since this event, you've, you've done a lot of advocacy for um, safe boating and especially for carbon monoxide awareness from motorized vessels. Can you talk about some of the, the work you've been doing? Um, so, obviously, on top of working with um, Representative Davis and Hall on uh, Andy's Law here in Oklahoma, I've also done um, speaking arrangements with the International Boat and Water Safety Summit and the National, um, but with the uh, Water National Water Safety Alliance. Sorry. That's fine. Um, I've, I have um, had the opportunity to, to speak to the media a number of times, and, and I've worked with various journalists across the, across the country to share information about carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, and, and with, with carbon monoxide, it's like a byproduct of, of when, when anything's essentially burning, right? Correct, and, and it... And it um, it has to have a fuel source, but that fuel source doesn't have to be like how we would, might traditionally think of fuel, like gasoline. It can even happen wood burning. Right. Um, you know, anytime something is burning, carbon monoxide is a byproduct. What What is the response you often get when you when you talk to people um, about the the potential for carbon monoxide exposure and poisoning? So that's a great question because I get a mix of reactions. Um, most of the time, people are stunned, um, disbelief even. Um, I think the danger of carbon monoxide happening in the open air scares people enough that they think that it can't possibly be real, and, and it really is. Um, there have definitely been naysayers that I've come across um, but you know when you're when you're facing the potential for tragedy it it's sometimes easier to think that somebody did something wrong than to think that it's possible to do everything right and still have everything go wrong i think you were saying earlier there's only 3 states that that have laws about uh, um carbon monoxide awareness as far as boating sure um, yes can you talk about what Andy's law will, will, will do? So um, Andy's law is modeled after um, Sophie's law, which is um, Minnesota's version where they require all uh, motorized watercraft to carry essentially like a warning label. Um, so it, it would be like a sticker or decal that's on the interior of the boat that just says, something along the lines of warning carbon monoxide can be present or you know be aware of the dangers of carbon monoxide buildup you know it, it should be something along those lines oklahoma has not um yet developed their sticker because the law just passed but um i imagine it'll be something similar to that right and so today we went out and you had the opportunity to kind of talk to a few people and um, talk to some media about um, your experience and um, what do you think why do you, why do you think people are sometimes 
you know, just they just don't want to believe that that's possible. Um, well, again, part of it, we're, we're just a normal family with, you know, um, or I would should say a normal lake family. We have tons of lake experience. And, and so I think that people don't like situations where there's not a reason or, or not something where you can um, say this is what we did wrong. This is what we what caused it. Nobody likes to, you know, look at this good kid who, you know, was just riding in the boat that day or was just out wake surfing that day and, you know, didn't get to go home. People um, don't like to hear those stories because there's always the fear that it'll happen to you. And um, I think that's a good thing. I think it's healthy to to have a little bit of that, to, to acknowledge that, you know, hey, this could happen to me because then you're more likely to take proactive measures, um, which is really important, when, especially when you're spending the day out in the sun on the lake. Yeah, and and that's something like you could even attribute some of those symptoms to just sun. You know, Correct. I mean, people, yes. it's very easy to, to, to be out there and thinking, oh, I'm just tired because the sun pulls that, you know, energy out of your body. So there, um, what, once we found out that, um, Andy had such high levels of carbon monoxide poisoning and actually on that day, all three of our boys had acute carbon monoxide toxicity. Um, once we realized that that was what had happened, we started looking back on, um, all of our prior experiences differently and we started really questioning you know were we really that tired that day you know was it really that hot or is this something that we had been exposed with um, or exposed to you know maybe under slightly different circumstances um, so that we didn't get the extent that we did on that particular day. Um, but it just kind of makes you look at everything differently and wonder, were those heat-related illnesses, or is it possible that, you know, we've been risking carbon monoxide poisoning every time we've been out? We won't ever know. And, and you all are a family who, I mean, you're into, like, various recreational like that like you, yes. you all are you were telling me some stories about how how you know your kids I, I guess they they ride by dirt bike is it dirt bikes yeah, or dirt yeah. bikes ATVs I mean we're we're more of the extreme sports family we um we weren't sure if our boys would grow up to be snowboarders or you know wake boarders or um motocross champions but you know i'm sure if it was something x games related you would find my children there right. <laughs> what do you see on, in the future for for your advocacy for safe boating and and awareness on on this particular topic so that's actually a scary question um because the first year well when i when i first spoke out it was in a post, and my post was um, driven by a whole bunch of uh, different emotions, you know, shock and anger and um, maybe even some of, um, I hate saying this, but like 
not retaliation, but defensiveness, um, because there, there were a lot of people, um, immediately after Andy's death who, um, made ugly comments and that that's neither here nor there, but, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be clear that we had answers as to what happened. And, and so, you know, I shared a really lengthy post and it got a ton of shares, um, I guess it hit that viral status, and, and I uh, had a newspaper from our hometown in Texas contact me, and they wanted to do a story, and, and that, I think, kind of set it off. Um, I have made that a big part of my mission for what I want to do with my life, to to share the information so that other people don't have to go through it. but. Unfortunately, in that first year after Andy died, five more people um, died of confirmed carbon monoxide poisoning on lakes across the U.S. Um, Carbon monoxide uh, deaths related to boating incidents are often underreported because um, a lot of times what happens is it's like, oh, well, that's obvious. They had a heart attack or they you know, had, um, or this was a, just a drowning, you know, and they, they don't think to look further. The, the reason I believe that Andy's blood was even tested for the carbon monoxide was because both of his brothers tested positive that night at the hospital. Um, so a lot of times there's a possibility that people have died and, and it was misreported. Um, so, I don't think that it's ever going to end the risk. And so I just, I plan on continuing to share for as long as people will listen. Yeah. And you're a school teacher? I am. Yes. And um, how has school that you worked at been, have they been supportive and helpful? Absolutely. Um, I have had coworkers and even administration, um, at both districts that I've worked at here in Oklahoma who have um, not only cheered me on, um, given me courage and encouragement, but um, they continue to do so even to this day. So do you, do you talk to your, your kids in school about it at all or as far as the, the, the potential dangers of carbon monoxide? or So I did have that conversation with my high school students um, in Broken Arrow, um, especially since, you know, the news of Andy's story went um, public. Students obviously knew about it, and, and they had questions. So um, we definitely had those discussions. Um <laughs> think I put a healthy fear in in a couple of them and that's okay um I haven't really had that talk I've transitioned down to elementary school now Uh, (laughs) um and so those are kind of big conversations but um interestingly enough I was thinking about you know we do fire safety week with the kids and the the fire departments will come and talk to the kids about you know stop drop and roll and and um making sure mom and dad check the smoke alarms, you know, and I feel like that would be a good place with elementary kids to insert information about carbon monoxide. And maybe that's something that will come in the future. 
what message do you want to most get out there ultimately when it comes to this topic? I think that I really have two. Um, the first being um, that it can happen to you. Um, it's really, really easy to put on the rose-colored glasses and, and think that bad things just can't happen to you. And when that happens, we overlook things that we shouldn't overlook. And I, I think that it's better to think that it can happen to me and be more proactive. I, th I think that that first and foremost, and that will help people in, in all areas, not just with carbon monoxide, but even, you know, with um, making sure that you're wearing life jackets, that, you know, you've attached cutoff switches, you know, those sorts of things. Um, so, I mean, that, that would be the big one for me. And then secondary to that, um, to really get across to people that you cannot detect it. It is fast, it is invisible, and it is absolutely deadly. Um, without a carbon monoxide detector or alarm, um, the human body can't can't determine if carbon monoxide is present. And yes, absolutely, if you smell exhaust, carbon monoxide is present, but it is not mutually exclusive to each other, you know. Um, so you might not smell exhaust. There might not be exhaust, but there can be carbon monoxide present. Um, and, you know, again, without a detector, there would be no way to know and, and, you know, take that, you know, even stay safe, I guess, um, with a, a detector or, or an alarm by keeping in mind that by the time it registers or goes off, there's already the potential for injury or illness. And you had worked with uh, some agencies to create some signage. Uh, yes. Or as we say in the courts, and interpretive materials. Sure. But um, can you talk about that? Sure. Um, so... Um, after, after we lost Andy, I joined a group called Waves of Hope. And Waves of Hope um, is like a coalition of families of tragedies or, uh, related to water. And, and, you know, not every tragedy ends in death like, like ours did, but um, some of them were, were even just close calls. Um, we just had the safe boating week and uh hunter bland i know was sharing his story he also is in waves of hope um where he was thrown out of his boat when he was in college um but through waves of hope i was able to get a grant with the national safe boating council um and did work with them and the u.s coast guard to create a carbon monoxide warning sign and it's similar to the wear it campaign for the life vests just letting you know that hey you know carbon monoxide can be here and it is a danger um, and it's better better to know it since you can't otherwise detect it on your own and and the areas like particularly on a on a on a body of water where um where where it's it tends to be more likely to sort of, I guess, settle or whatever mm -hmm. on top of the, in the air. Can you talk about some of those areas? So from, 
from what I have learned, um, I believe that some of the most dangerous areas um, are like no wake zones where um, every boat that crosses through this single area has to go at a slow speed. Um, so you're not getting a whole lot of movement of the air. Also, um, skiing in coves, it is really, really attractive because you don't get all of the rough waters, but at the same time, you're in an enclosed area, kind of, you know, I mean, in, in a cove, usually you have higher like sides. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, like a bowl. And so like, you're just staying in that, that one single area, you know, and pr producing all of that carbon monoxide. Um, the, the one that I think really gets me the most is boat launches and boat docks. Everybody has to get on the lake somehow and they have to get off the lake somehow. And one of the things that I noticed that I had never thought about before is that oftentimes boaters will circle while they're waiting to pull out or, you know, when they're, they're doing their pre-boat checks, you know, they'll rev up the engine there. Um, they'll leave it running while peak passengers are loading and unloading. And these are all just not good things. Like it's best if you can to shut your boat down and just kind of float there while you're waiting your turn, make sure that you're shutting it down at boat docks. When you talk about that number of boats, I mean, one boat can produce the same amount of carbon monoxide as 180 cars. Oh, wow. um, so, you know, if you have a couple boats that are circling around there, that's a lot of carbon monoxide. Wow. I had no idea it was that high. Yeah. And that, you know, that makes, it makes me wonder too about we, we, we often hear when we're telling people to wear life jackets, we, we tell people, you know, a lot of people who fall into the water, um, well, you know, they, they weren't expecting to fall into the sure. water. And sometimes they're unconscious, like when they hit right. the water or before they even hit the water. And, and so, you know, it makes me, makes me wonder how many, how many of those instances are attributable, attributable to carbon monoxide and, um, and, and, you know, and it causes the confusion and the dizziness right. and, and it's causing brain damage while you're experiencing it, um, while it's going on. So the, the, the operator of the boat, the, the person, the, the passenger in the boat, they may not have any, any clue. And then on top of them not having any clue, they're, they don't know they're not having, you know, they don't right. even know and, that and they're And you panic too. Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, sometimes. The things that you see and hear the most often are the things that will come back to you. It's like um, if somebody's choking and, and you're like Heimlich or CPR or whatever you need to do, like it comes back to you because you've been exposed to it enough times. And I kind of have this hope that that's what this will do, like both me talking about it and sharing about it um, and again, with Andy's law, with having that labeling so that when something does go wrong and somebody is panicked and they look over and they're like, oh my gosh, what if this was carbon monoxide? What do we need to do? We need to get to land. We need to get to fresh air. You know, I mean, um, so I think having that information readily available, um, to people is, is going to help, um, hopefully prevent death and injury. 
um, for other people's families. With the grant you were talking about, mm -hmm. um, how many signs were you able to, to get produced? Um, well, the there were thousands. Wow. Have you <laughs> um, been able to get those placed? Or? So um, we have been working um, for over a year now on getting those signs out. They've been going out all across the United States. Um, the... National Safe Boating Council um, had those available, and I, I believe they are still available on um, their web store. It's free. You just pay for the shipping. Um, and I know that different core offices across the nation have been putting them out. You know, it's it's something that takes time, but because um, there's a lot of water, <laughs> there is. but and yeah. there's a lot of water access. But we're we're working on getting it up slowly but surely. Wow. And and you've also got pamphlets. Is that part of the same grant as well, or? Um, if I'm completely honest, I'm not even sure where that came from. <laughs> well, I mean, I know where it came from. Waves of Hope produced them. Okay. Um, their story cards. Um, and so for, for each family and, and for what they went through, like it tells the, tells the story, um, and gives information on where you can find more information if you, if you so desire. Um, and so like ours tell the story of what happened to Andy on the day that he passed away, what we learned, what to, what to look for. And, um, it redirects to both the. Um, National Safe Boating Council and to our website which is um, thelittledude.org and it, I try to keep that updated with information about Andy and his dreams and also everything that we've been working on since. What have I not asked you that I should have asked you? That's a great question. <laughs> That's why I always ask it. <laughs> That's probably my least favorite favorite question. That's like ask when um, somebody asks you, Any like, questions? what are you not good at, or <laughs> like, oh no, or um, I don't know. I mean, I think um, I think it would be good for people to know um, when you have little kids on the boat, the back seat is not the best place for him. I understand that there is a seat there. It is its intended purpose is for people to sit in, but it's not the place that you want your kids. The closer you can keep your kids to the driver, the better. And you know what? It's good for them. It keeps them out of the sun. Um, it keeps them within, you know, arm's reach of the person operating the boat. Um, I think it's um, important to know, too, that... Frequent breaks are good, um, and that includes taking time, like, go go take lunch on the shore. You know, get off the boat. Um, because if you had a tailwind following you, like, you've got a buildup of carbon monoxide on your boat. Even if you shut the engine down, you're not going to get fresh air. You know, get off the boat, go have some lunch. Um Everybody wants to make the most use of their time. And, you know, as a mother of three boys, <laughs> you know, they, they never wanted to stop. They, they always wanted to keep going. And I encouraged it, encouraged it. And, you know, 
looking back, I think that many times we just overdid it. So, you know, take those breaks. It's okay. You can always come back to it. Um, and then, you know, parents listen to your kids. Like if they, if they're acting like they're hot and tired, it's time to go, you know, take them off. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to um, sit down and talk to us about this. I, um, I, I enjoyed having the opportunity to spend the, the afternoon with you and, and, um, talk to some people about boater safety and water safety and, and, and the um, carbon monoxide uh, exposure and, and, and how that can affect people when they're on the water. So thank you so much for your time. Thank Cassie. you for having me. Thank you for joining us for Corestruction. Corestruction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Public Affairs Office. This episode of Corestruction was brought to you by the Skytook Lake Office of the Tulsa District. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.